Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Welcome. The Word of Hope sermon series is a ministry of Grace Family Church of Rhode Island. It was instituted to bring sound teachings from the Word of God to as many people as possible. As you listen to this message, it is our hope and prayer that the Lord will bless you through it and bring you hope, comfort, and guidance. And now, Pastor Kotze. Good morning, brethren. Today's message is going to be a little different from the usual. Normally, we bring up a passage from the Bible and we explain the meaning of that passage. Today, instead, we're going to take a systematic approach to an, a topic, an issue that is of primary importance, of essential importance, not only in the events of our days, but also in God's heart as well. And I'm referring to, I'm talking about false witness. False witness, biblically, can occur in various ways. Um, the most common is the fact that Scripture condemns the manufacturing of falsehood for the purpose of accusing or hurting other people. However, even the spreading of false witness is regarded as a very serious sin in the Bible. And this topic is vitally important for at least two reasons. First of all, too many Christians, really too many Christians today engage in the practice of lying, bearing false witness, or repeating these things and contributing to spreading false statements that can be very damaging and dangerous for other people. People seem to rationalize that. And in fact, they convince themselves in some way, somehow, that what they're sharing, even though they know or have a sense that may not be true, they rationalize that it serves a good purpose. But there's nothing good in that practice. And in fact, it's very dangerous and it has potentially devastating and in some cases, as we have seen, life-threatening results instead. Initiating or spreading false, a false witness is not at all an innocent practice. If you look at scripture, you will discover that it is simply evil. Think of the damage, for example, something that has been very much in, in brought to our attention. The damage caused by false information. We know that today, COVID-19 has caused at least 390,000 deaths in the U.S. alone. But it was a lie. It was a false witness that caused many people to believe, and some still believe it today, that COVID doesn't even exist. And it's only political hype. And I pause, and just that, that current example makes me think, how many lives could have been spared if the pandemic that we are experiencing right now was regarded seriously as the experts were telling us to do 
Because the experts from the beginning were telling us this is serious. How many lives could have been spared if people would not refuse to do very few simple things to protect others for a while instead, you know, instead of turning things like wearing a mask or, or, or few other behaviors into political statements? You see, false witness and lies can foment hatred against people and groups, and they have done that. And they have even brought to death threats against individuals, against people. Brethren, is it really Christian to state that someone that we don't agree with should be taken out and shot? So why is it that we read or, or hear people who claim to be Christians making such statements? Is it Christian to state that the laws don't matter or they may not apply to, apply to us because of whatever reason? Is it Christian to think that other people's lives are of little value or consequence if they don't give us what we want? I don't think I need to answer that question. Because the answer is absolutely not Christian. There are very few things, and that's the second reason why this topic is of vital importance. Because there are very, very few things that God speaks against as strongly as he does in reference to lying and bearing false witness. You want an example? Let's not forget one thing. In the New Testament... We find that when the priests in Jerusalem wanted to kill Jesus, they recurred to false witnesses. They bought people to pronounce falsehood, to give a false witness to condemn Jesus, to kill him. Do we really want to be on the side of such evil? So we need to understand. We need to understand the problem that that this is because it is vital and I would like to bring to your attention Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 to 19 where we read there are six things which the Lord hates yes seven which are an abomination to him haughty eyes a lying tongue and hence the shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Does that sound like today? I'm afraid so. Notice again the last statement in, in this passage. A false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. And that's what so many people do. And yes, that too, as this passage tells us, is an abomination in God's eye. To come up and spread lies? To spread strife? And we see that every day, even among Christians. What about those posts on social media that are filled with hatred and resentment toward individuals or groups? 
And they even spread lies to accuse one another. And they claim to be Christians. What about the statements that spread lies and strive to promote hatred and intolerance just because someone doesn't look at, at, at an issue the same way we do? What about the posts that you find in, in the social media between individuals who used to be friends, but now they're thinking differently about an issue and all of a sudden, they go at each other's throat. What about husbands and wives accusing one another? Are we really justified as Christians for doing what God clearly states is an abomination? Is the fact that other people do it, or that other, somebody else started it, is that really a justification or an excuse for us to also participate in what God defines as being abominable, an abomination? Do we find God's word here strong enough to call us to do the hard and honest work of checking the facts, of making sure that what we say or what we share is actually the truth? Yes, it takes work. To check it out. But I think that God's words here in the Bible that we just read and those that we will read are strong enough to move us to do the hard work of checking the facts. Is it true or is it not? And we can't come up with excuses to rationalize why we're spreading something that we know not to not be true. Or do we choose to listen to only one source that tickles our ears and tells us what we want to hear, as all too many people are doing today? Let's see what God has to say a little more. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. You know, it's so easy to, to select and choose who we listen to. It's easy to, to accumulate for, for ourselves teachers in accordance to our own desires, that the, the passage here says. To, to hear the people, to only listen to those people that say what we want to hear, regardless of whether that is right or wrong, regardless of whether that is true or false. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 22, it's written, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Here, not only we are once again reminded that spreading lies and spreading a false witness is an abomination in God's lie, in God's eyes, but we also see that that is being contrasted with the fact that God delights in those who are faithful. And being faithful means to be loyal to God. But one can hardly be loyal to God while pursuing something that God himself calls an abomination. It doesn't make any sense. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. While Jesus was referring to wealth in the very next sentence, the principle still applies to us, even in, in our topic. We cannot be faithful to God while serving another master. And if we are serving another master, that moves us to justify lying or spreading false witness. We're not serving God. We can't. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 5, we read, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will not escape. Now, I would dread to be the one of whom God is speaking, saying that he will not go unpunished. Wouldn't you? Doesn't that cause us to think twice about accusing others falsely, about lying to one another, regardless of the reason, or spreading inaccurate or false facts that may cause harm or damage to others. Now, what this is saying is that he calls us to repentance, to abandon falsehood and speak the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Even when that is not convenient. Yes, even when it doesn't seem to be convenient for us or comfortable for us. Even when we have to bite the bullet and, and say the truth, even though we don't like that truth. To think that we are the only ones who are right, and there is an awful lot of that going around today. But to say that we are the only ones who are right, to the point of feeling justified in generating or spreading deception is nothing short of arrogance and insolence. That is what God has to say about it in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 24. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. Is that talking about us? Are we really that proud? that insolent as to think that we are better than anyone else and immune from the consequences of our actions when we spread strife and divisions? Let me remind you what Paul was inspired by God to share with the Philippians in chapter 2 and verse 3. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Can it be more clear than that? Can we imagine what it would be like if all Christians, and I mean all Christians, were like that? They, if all Christians were to act the way that the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Apostle Paul, calls us to act. Yes, even those who don't agree with us were to be regarded as more important than ourselves. What if everybody did that? What a different world this would be. Husbands looking at their wives as being more important? What a difference. Wives no longer gossiping against their husbands, with their friends, but honestly looking at them with respect? 
If we stop looking at, at the color of our skins and being racist and looking at groups of people as being inferior because they're different from us, but look at them as being more important, as this scripture says, as God calls us to do, what a difference that would make. But let us not fool ourselves. Just because we go to church, we're not okay when we spread lies or falsehood. Now they said in Proverbs 21 and verse 27, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with even evil intent? Let me read it again. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? To think that, that we can sin and all, that we can sin all we want and then just offer a sacrifice, as this statement would say, and that makes us okay, it's foolishness. And that too is an abomination. What about the emphasis placed on evil intent? Let's think about that for a moment. What intent do we have when we spray, when, well, spray, when we spread a lie against someone? What intent do we have when we share a false witness, something false, something that is not true, against someone? Can we say that we have a good intent? I don't think so. Can we say that attacking a person or a group of people with vicious comments is anything but evil? Let's look at Proverbs 25, verses 18 to 19. Like a club and a sword with a, and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. Like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in time of trouble. The imagine here is quite vivid, isn't it? If something is coming after you with a club, or a sword, or a sharp arrow, would you regard that as an evil intent? Of course, right? Likewise, in verse 19, how would you like to have a bad tooth? Not good. But that's how the Lord describes those who bear or spread false witness against others. But notice again in Exodus, Exodus 23, verses 1 to 3. You shall not bear a false report. Do not join your hand with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not follow the masses in doing evil nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his dispute. You see, this is very clear too, isn't it? No matter how many people believe a lie, it is still a lie. A false witness, an evil that must be avoided and replaced with the truth that will really make us free. Remember, the Lord said it's a truth that makes us free, not a lie, not a deception. And here it makes it very clear in Exodus 23 that even if a whole masses of people, a whole multitude of people chooses to believe a conspiracy theory, chooses to believe something that is inaccurate, that is false, that is a false witness, 
we Christians are called not to follow them, not to follow the masses in doing evil, nor to testify in a dispute, so that as to go along with the multitude and pervert justice. I don't know if God could make it more clear than this. Scripture has much, much more to say about this topic, and I would like to encourage you to do your own study on that. But I think that the point is, is made sufficiently here. I think I, I give you the idea of what God thinks about this practice that has become all too frequent. So I would like to close with a clear contrast. I would like for you to think about it. I would like for you to listen to two statements from Scripture and ask yourself which of the two you would like to identify with. Then look at your language. Look at your language at home, in the family, in the community, at the store, on the street, in the church, in the social media, in your debates. And as you look at your language, ask yourself which of the two passages defines that language? Which of the two passages describe the way that you are communicating with others? So here are the two passages. First of all, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 1 to 5. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. Is that the nature of our language? Contrast that with what is written in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 1 to 5. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of one of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intending on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> I hope that you would want the second passage to be describing who you are and how you talk, how you talk at home. As we said before, how you talk on the street, how we all talk in, in, in the social media, any, in any communication that we have. I hope that we all want to be identified by the second passage in Philippians 2 and not the first one in 2 Timothy 3. So when we attempt it, when we attempted to lash out, when we attempted to make a point by exaggerating the reality and, and 
going past the truth to make things bigger and, and lie about things because exaggerating is lying. When we are tempted to spread out what we heard in a conspiracy theory, when we are tempted to pass on a gossip or a rumor, please review those two statements in Scripture. And ask, let's ask ourselves the question, which one defines me? Which one defines us? Are those two passages? And which one defines the nature of what we are about to do? Finally, brethren, before we say anything, before we write anything, let's evaluate it against the following words, which are found in Ephesians 4 and verses 20 to 29. Ephesians 4, verses 20 to 29. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, notice that, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on a new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, notice again, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of a moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Brethren, it cannot be more clear than this. Speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry, but don't sin. Let no unwholesome word proceed from, from your mouth, but only such word that is good for edification, good to build up, not to tear apart, but to build up according to the need of the moment. So may your words May our words be words of truth, spoken as an expression of God's love, giving grace to all who hear them. And may our tongue and our hearts reflect grace, the grace of God, the grace of the one who was willing to even give his life in order to forgive us. May his grace be in you and in all of us. God bless you.